Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. It's so good to be here. And uh, if you're wondering where the cold came from, the Jersey guy brought it with him, okay? So this is home for me, this type of weather. So don't worry, after I leave, the cold will leave too. All right. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, it's so good to be here, you know, because you guys are family. So every time I, you know, it's amazing. In ministering at different places, right? I invest my time and I invest my heart into preparation and, you know, because it's, that's the servant's heart that the Lord gave to me, right? If you're going to serve spiritual food, serve the best food, right? Serve the best food, put it out there and make sure it's got good taste. And being a Puerto Rican, we believe in flavor. So, you know, I want to just make sure that it tastes good so that this way when you go home and you meditate on what you heard, you know that, well, God is speaking to me, and so God is about to bless me and bless my home. So with that, um, tonight's teaching, we're going to be talking about first fruits. But the perspective that we're going to be talking about tonight in reference to first fruits is something that maybe, uh, you know, wasn't introduced to you in the sense of, you know, because I like to come from different angles, but... It's all coming from the same base of truth. And so a lot of times we have questions on first fruits and, and so on and so forth. But the scriptures teach us very clearly that when it comes to offerings and it comes to first fruits, that God always looks at the condition of the heart of the individual first. Okay? That's why in the New Testament when we see that the widow, she gave her two coins. And Jesus says, well, she gave the most out of everybody that was here. Why? Because she was giving it from the condition and the spiritual state of her heart. So what does that tell you? It's not so much, and of course, we do follow principles regarding tithing and regarding first fruits. But the first thing that God is basically looking at is the condition of your heart as to the motive, as to the why. And when I say the condition of your heart, it is in relation to what is going on between you and God in the present moment. Because... Israel, they would give offerings, and in certain accounts in the Old Testament, uh, God was not pleased with the spiritual condition of the heart of Israel in certain instances that he would tell them, keep your offering. And so he would correct them to tell them, uh, you need to deal with what's going on inside your heart, then you can come back. Okay? And I'm going to touch on some of that tonight in the teaching. So if we could have... Uh, Right? So tonight's teaching is called Pressure and Results. Right? And I have a dynamic that I'll present on the board uh, right towards the end that will help to just basically lock this whole thing up. So, pressure and results. How many of you have been feeling pressure from society in the past two years? Right? COVID, when it came in, right? Rona, as some people would call it, right? came with its pressure but it also came with its sadness and sorrows because a lot of people were affected i myself i was affected by it i spent six days in the hospital they thought i wasn't gonna make it but i believe in the power of prayer so a lot of people were praying interceding 
and during my experience with COVID, uh, yes, there were some really interesting supernatural encounters. Unfortunately, I can't get into that, but the fact of the matter was God was with me the whole time. And so he kept telling me, just stand up, fight, don't give in, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. So as I'm in this room, and why they put a person who basically was suffering of that disease right next to me in the same room, I was like, wow, the, the devil's really telling me, we're going to make sure you don't get out of here. So the thing about it was I kept fighting and pressing, and it kept saying, no, it's not my time, it's not my time. But feeling those pressures brought me to a place of gratitude. And gratitude is something not just that we express, but it is something that we give. We give that to God. Believe it or not, everything that comes from us to God, from our spirit to his spirit, because we are in relation from spirit to spirit with God. And so what we give to God in that relationship that comes from our heart is a type of offering. For instance, how many of you wake up in the morning, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you give thanks in the morning? Because the scriptures teach us the power of just giving thanks. Giving thanks unto God will shake the walls in your house if you live that principle. If you live the principle of giving thanks to God in all things, in all seasons, in all times, in the good, in the bad. That's why Job said, right? The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gave a praise to God. Isn't that something? Everything was taken, but yet he's still giving. And so that's why when we feel pressure, we have to go into the spiritual posture of giving. It's not always tied to a dollar. It's always tied, though, to the condition of our heart. Lord, I don't have much, but I can sure give you something in this place of pressure. I can give you acknowledgement. I can give you glory. I can give you praise. I can give you worship. I can give you the real spiritual offerings that come forth from me. I can give you something right here. Why? Because before the Son of God went to the cross to give his life for each and every one of us that are here today, the Son was giving the Father glory. He was giving him an offering before he became the offering. Isn't that something? So if we could just go to our scripture for tonight. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Now this is going to be cool tonight because we've read this scripture so many times. And, this, and the scripture says from the KJV, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. Right? It says, Honor the Lord. So we take a course of action that is connected to something that comes from us or something that is given to us, and we put God first in our mindset to basically let God know, if I'm going to honor anyone first, it's you. And it's always got to be with some substance. It's always got to be that my character has to have some substance in the trial. I was just telling my spiritual mother just recently that myself going through a particular trial that really lasted quite a long time. And the thing about it was is that what the Lord kept bringing to my mind, that in Job's suffering, and this is really mind-blowing, Job was very conscious that he was being watched by heaven, watched by God, and watched by the powers of darkness. 
And in so doing, what does Job do? Job guards his heart because he knew the powers of darkness, okay, wanted to provoke in him a response against God. I don't know about you, but how many of you have been through a trial that he gets so full of pressure that the first thing the devil tells you is, yeah, God did that to you. He's the one doing this affliction to your home. God is punishing you because, you know, you didn't get to church on time. God is punishing you because you didn't give the offering, you know, for this month. You know, you did all this other stuff. But God is punishing. God is doing this. I tell my students, who told you that? Did God tell you that? You know. So, therefore, we have to watch our hearts during the trial. If the devil takes things from us, hey, you know what? The most important thing is, is that we don't lose our hearts in the trial. Don't lose your heart in the trial. Because when the trial's over, God can restore those things. But it is that our heart is to honor him in the good and in the bad. And that is why Job, he guarded his heart. And that is why when we look at the scripture, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits and all thine increase, it is talking to the individual who lives a lifestyle where God is the first person within the mindset of that individual and living it out through a lifestyle from day to day. If we could go to point number one, first fruits were given as an act of faith, but also love, love. We are in a relationship Right? We receive our salvation by faith. We receive our blessings throughout the year by faith. We love others by faith. We forgive by faith. Everything is by faith, but it's from the platform of love. Just like when people says, oh, pastor, I'm going for the victory. I tell them, no, you're already on the platform of victory. You're moving from victory to victory. It's not that you are trying to attain a victory from a place of defeat. You are actually moving towards the place of victory from the platform of victory. All that are in Christ are victorious. Because Jesus has given us the power over sin and death. I remember when my son passed, somebody said to me, well, you lost your son. I said, no, I haven't lost him. He's just secured for the time being in heaven. He's my treasure that is stored up. And when I see him, what's going to happen? I'm going to see him in a perfect state. And so, therefore, I'm moving from victory to victory. So much so that when Job lost his first five children, this is going to blow you by. You're going to say, what's this got to do with first fruits? We're getting there. When Job lost his first children, right, he lost the first ones, right? Then God restores him with new children. People say, well, what's so great about that? He lost the first kids. And, you know, how can you enjoy that? I said, okay, when Job dies, he finds himself in the presence of the first children that died. Then when the last children die, they find themselves all together. So did Job really lose? No, he did not. So therefore, when we give our first fruits, we give it from a place of love because we are telling God before this year goes full steam ahead and we start getting basically into our lifestyle modes and into our vision modes and all kinds of things, have aspirations and stuff. We have to show God what? 
that this love thing is for real. This love thing is for real. The scripture says in the book of Romans that we love God because what? God has shed his love in us through his Holy Spirit. So therefore, in giving first fruits, I am telling God, I love you and I thank you so much for everything that is behind me, everything you bless me with, but I know that there are finer and even greater things that are coming in the future and I just want to give thanks before it even gets here. Before it even gets here, part two, please, or point number two. It demonstrated the spiritual state of the heart. We are living in times of pressure. And as I go into this, my point is, is that above all things, guard your heart. The world is trying to dictate and tell the church things so that the church will embrace these things and have a shift of heart towards God, but we the church tell the world our heart is not shifting onto your sand. We stand on the rock, we live upon the rock, we sow on the rock, we give our first fruits unto the rock that lives, blessed be his name forever. So therefore, my thing is, is that, hey, yes, a harvest is always coming every year. But when the people gave that harvest seed in the beginning, they gave that first fruits. Look at this. They were mature in their spiritual state of heart that they understood, hey, that last harvest, that was fantastic. Hey, it was great. That was 2021. But guess what? We have to prepare for 2022 because that's how good God is. 2021's harvest is not 2022's harvest. It will never be that. Never. And the reason being is because our God who operates in manifold wisdom, say manifold manifold wisdom that means that the actual angles of God's wisdom no man can actually search so therefore how God brings to us the greater that is on him the demonstration of my love to him that's on me point three it ushered in God's power but also a new harvest and a new encounter. It's interesting because in the Hebrew lifestyle, what they used to do was they would go out to the fields and they would get the first barley seeds that would come out of the ground or the first buds of whatever plant or fruit that were coming out and they would run, they would take these things before harvest would come fully and then they would go to the temple and then they would present that to God and they would say to God, thank you because this is the evidence of what's coming. Say what's coming. Okay, I'll tell you what's coming. The evidence of God's power, the evidence of God's presence in your life, the evidence of God's favor in your life, the evidence of God's love in your life, the evidence of a harvest that you can't even number. I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to count your blessings? You really, look, I teach a lot on anxiety, stress, and dealing with fear on a clinical level. For the Christian that is watching us, and depression, I teach on all those topics, right? For the Christian that is watching this and listening tonight, let me tell you something. If you really want to do some mental gymnastics in your brain, begin to count your blessings when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling fearful, when you're feeling depressed, 
when you're feeling worrisome, begin to count the blessings and then ask yourself, how did that happen? Because the moment that you then give authorship and acknowledgement to God, all of a sudden something starts to break. I was talking to Pastor Matt last night upon a teaching uh, regarding when I was studying on neuroscience and the effects of the brain. You're going to love this. Do you know that when the anointing comes on you, it affects you in three dimensions? It affects you in your body, your soul, and your spirit. Because our God is a complete God. So therefore, when he pours his grace on you, it is to pour it on you physically, in your mind, your will, and emotions, that's your soul, and into your spirit. Because our God is a complete God. He doesn't do things at half. God's mathematics, he doesn't know how to do things halfway. Halfway. He doesn't do that. And so what happens is, is that there is a part of your brain called the deep limbic system, right? Say limbic. limbic. Okay, the deep limbic system is the hard drive system inside your brain. Let's say, for instance, 20 years ago, you were in a car accident. In that car accident, all of a sudden, the, leap, the deep limbic system kicks in. It starts to record how you felt. It starts to record the emotions. It starts to record the chemicals that were released from your brain. It starts to record the actual event. Now we go 20 years into the present time or future. You then, all of a sudden, almost have a similar type of car accident. But what happens? The limbic system takes you back in time and causes you to feel the same way you felt 20 years ago as if you're right there. God is incredible. You know what God does? In order to transcend you past trauma, God has to create a healing event. So that therefore, when you think about what you suffered, it is coupled with what God just did for you. And all of a sudden, all the chemicals that are tied to mental health, to enhance mental health, are released. So therefore, you start to have this euphoric feeling and you start to say, God is real. God brought me out of such a place and such a place and such a place. When they would sow or give the first harvest seeds as an offering to God and the new harvest would come, they were living a lifestyle in which they were actually being affected physically and with that putting themselves in a position to receive a new encounter with God. Point number four. God looked into the heart of Cain more than what he was offering. This is where it gets really good. Because in Genesis chapter 4, I've heard many teachers say that Cain, he was rejected because, you know, he didn't give God a lamb and Abel did. And, you know, so Cain gave him the vegetables and the fruit and the earth was cursed. And so he was offering God something that was cursed. But when you read the chapter and read the verse, it says... Interesting that when God looked at Cain, read it, it actually says, and God did not receive, in the actual Hebrew, it says that God did not receive Cain or his offering. So what did God put first? It put Cain first and the condition of his heart. God then starts to talk to Cain, and in the Hebrew, he is telling Cain, Hey, I am looking at your heart, and I see you got something against your brother, and you need to deal with that. As the scripture goes on further, God even tells Cain, deal with that, 
and then you can come back and I will receive you and your offering. Many times we give our first fruits and I understand in our human nature we do things in such a way that we just basically become uh, so lapsed in just basically understanding what it is that we do in this Christian lifestyle. We are living a multi-dimensional relationship with God. We are imperfect and he is perfect. We are engaged into a relationship with the only supreme transcendent being who is self-sustaining in the universe. And it gets tough sometimes when you feel I'm in a relationship with a perfect being and I am imperfect. But there's no better person to be in a relationship with. Hello? Because we have to work out relationships, imperfect being with imperfect being. Right? And so we're in this relationship with God, and we basically at times allow ourselves to go wayside, and we are not examining our heart. That is why when we eat at the Lord's table, or as we say, take communion, Paul teaches us in the doctrine, examine your heart. We have to always examine our heart because when we come to God with an honest heart, it is not to say that, hey, I got it all right this week. And so if I'm going to give an offering or give first fruits or honor God in my act of faith, well, this is the week that God's got to catch me because I don't know what I'm going to do next week. It is to say that when we come to God with the pure heart, it is to acknowledge, yes, Lord, that's there. Because Cain would not acknowledge that there was something in his heart against his brother. So much so that he went and he killed his brother. Do you know that there is a spiritual murder that can take place within the heart of every human being? That we could just basically kill people within our hearts. We won't do it physically. But the fact is, is that when it comes to a particular person that may have offended us, we have just shut the doors to them, and we have said, if that person asks me for anything, no. And that is not the way of the kingdom of God. Because Christ gets glory when we open the doors to those that are not deserving of it. Because that is exactly what he did for us. Point number five. Let each man give according to what he has purposed in his heart. Second Corinthians, right? It says here, so let each one give as he, as he purposes in his, his heart, his own heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. Now, I know that this is where people say, but I got needs and I give so that the Lord could bless me in my needs. Yes. But when it's talking of necessity here, it is talking about the life of vanity. It is talking about a life where we are the center and God is outside the circle. It is like, Lord, I'm giving you this, so you have to hook me up. God is the epicenter of every Christian. He is the epicenter of our hearts. He is the epicenter. That is where all things, all life, our existence, as Paul says, we get our move, our living, our breathing. It is from him because we are connected to the vine. It says, for God loves a cheerful giver. We may not come down dancing all the time when it's, it's time to give first fruits and offering, 
But you know what? I give from the perspective, and this is not glory for me. I'm using I to basically speak in general terms. But it is to speak of my gratitude and my cheerfulness is I had nothing before. Now I have something. And God purposed it within his heart to make sure that his giving got to my hand. That's, you know, you know what that is? That the only transcendent being of the universe that has all this power. Just recently I saw something on the planets in the universe. And it, said, it showed where the, the planet Earth can fit into the planet Saturn. I don't know how many hundreds of times. That's how big it is. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, and that came out of the mouth of somebody. <laughs> somebody spoke that thing into existence and look where it's at. And that particular person knows me by name and knows my needs that are waiting for me in the future. And so he then creates the provision so that he makes sure that it gets to me. And he thinks about each and every one of us on the same level. Right? Next point. No matter the pressure we feel within the times we live in, we continue to give. Right here, we think about the widow that the prophet Elijah went to visit. Tremendous amount of pressure in her time, right? The times were saying, feel the pressure, feel the pressure. She's feeling the pressure of dying. She's feeling the pressure of hunger. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a big foodie, okay? And so living in Jersey where you have every culture you can imagine at your disposal to eat, yeah, try going without eating where I come from for more than 15 hours. And this woman tells the prophet, hey, I'm just going to prepare this little bit. Me and my son, we're going to eat this and we're going to die. Right? And so under that pressure, right? The prophet then sees the pressure. I love this part. The prophet sees the pressure and says to her indirectly, I can relieve you of that pressure if you think about God first. She gives it to the prophet, and then all of a sudden there's a release from heaven. Interesting, because all of a sudden the pressure now takes her to a place of results. We all feel pressure every day. But we live in a dimension of faith where we understand, yes, the only difference between me and the person that's not saved is God. I'm a human. I feel pressures just like somebody who's not saved. The difference is I turn to God and the human turns to himself. Because in the fall of Genesis, the offer that Satan was making to humanity, you don't need God. You can be your own God. So what happens? Those that don't have God, by nature, in their fallen nature, will turn to themselves for the solution. Us, under the nature of the Christ that now lives in us, it takes us directly to him. We take our pressure to him. We take our fear to him. We take our worry to him. We take our anxiety to him. We take our brokenness to him. And so what we tell the pressure in our times, I don't know about you, but 
I'm just, I've just entered into a sabbatical from social media, and it's like, thank God. Okay, thank God. And so under the pressures that we're feeling in society, what do we do? We're telling the world, hey, you're putting pressure on me. The more pressure you put on me, the more Jesus I'm going to look for. The more Jesus. And the more we cry out to Jesus, the more Jesus keeps showing up. Right? Next point. Faith in our giving will always overcome the pressures of the times. Right? Scriptures teach us, right, that by faith we sow when it's not a time to sow, and we sow when it is a time to sow. Because we are not conditioned to the conditions of this earth regarding God meeting our needs because our resources are directly connected to the kingdom of God. And so we give all the time, all the time, whether it's our time, right? Whether it's counsel to somebody, we give from our giftings, we give from our money, we give from our help, but we are people that we now have the living Christ in us and there's no greater giver than him. Next point. Christ gave himself even when he faced pressure in Gethsemane. The scripture says that Jesus gave himself as the first fruit. Watch this. Jesus gives himself as the first fruit. He becomes the first fruit for all mankind, right? Then he gives us the Holy Spirit who is what? The first fruits of the promises, right? Second covenant evidence. So where is the Father? Because I see the Son and I see the Holy Ghost, but where is the Father? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so we see the three of them operating in the principle of first fruit. Isn't that something? And they gave the best of themselves. The father gave the son because the son is of the father of the same substance and of the same essence. The son gave of his life, the life that the father gave him to live the human life. And he gave that and the Holy Spirit comes to give life to all those that profess faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So we receive blessing of first fruits from God's first fruits. <laughs> Point number nine. God does not pressure us to give, but our giving is a demonstration to the world that we love God and humanity. I love this part. God does not pressure us to give, but our giving is a demonstration to the world that we love God and humanity. And it goes back to 2 Corinthians. Sometimes, right, if you're feeling a pressure, oh, if I don't give this and this, let me tell you something. God, who is love, when he calls you and he calls you to give, he always calls you to give what you are able to give. In your responsibility to him and to humanity. That's why the widow was not asked to give more than what she could give to the prophet. Because God knew. He said, that's all, I, that's all I'm asking you to give. I'm not asking you to run out through the town begging people because you're afraid that what I'm going to return to you is not going to be enough. I'm just calling upon your heart to give. 
And if you live a lifestyle of giving, you are putting yourself directly aligned with heaven and the kingdom of God to continuously keep releasing things over your life. Next point. As the seed suffers, well, here comes the dynamic. As the seed suffers pressure, it still gives its first fruits. Now watch this, right? We're going to say this is a seed, right? Now watch. <laughs> the seed, we know when it's planted, has to suffer pressure, right? That's just the law of growth. It has to suffer pressure. Something has to die in the process, right? But notice, in order for the seed to be planted, room has to be made. Isn't it something that when we give to God, we are actually demonstrating to God that the very room that we have made for God to live in within our hearts is a place from where life can flow. What happens is, is that when this is closed and there is no seed there, how do we expect then life to come from our hearts and then produce fruit? Because the fact of the matter is, is that God teaches us. The law of first fruits is actually man telling God, I have made room for you. I have made room for you in my home. I have made room for you in my marriage. I have made room for you in the lives of my children. I give to you, but my giving is a demonstration of the room that I have made in my life and in my heart. Isn't that something? So when I'm living a lifestyle, <laughs> this is where it gets better, I'm living a lifestyle of giving. What I'm doing is I am actually creating more room. And more room leads to a bigger harvest of blessing and a bigger harvest every year so that when the blessings continue to flow Upon my life, I have to manage the blessings now, which takes me to do what? Make more room for God and more room for God until the life is completely inundated with the glory and the presence of God. Right? Let it stand. We've been under a tremendous amount of pressure in these past two years. But how many of you know that God turns pressure into power? He turns pressure into power. He turns pressure into results. How many of us have given, feeling the pressures of life, but we said, no, I'm still going to give God the glory. I'm still going to give God praise. I'm still going to give God worship. If a person received a, you know, a diagnosis of cancer, but yet they say, I'm still going to worship God, they're giving. They are living a first fruits principle of life because I'm giving to God. My first fruits and what I give every season of first fruits, it is telling God, this is still all about you. 
It's about you. And it's about me with you. It's about putting you first. And so therefore, I just want to pray at this time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here. And Father, I just thank you so much. I join my brothers and my sisters, Lord, into just a moment of giving. We have received so, so much from you. Especially, Father, the grace of God that has caused us, Father, to move, Father, from glory to glory. That has caused us to live the abundant life. And Father, we just give you the praises. We give you worship. We give to you from our hearts. We are creating more room in us. And Father, in so doing, we just ask that you plant your seeds, your seeds of power, your seeds of life, your seeds, O oh Lord, that will produce fruit unto your glory in our finances, Lord, in our relationships at home, in our relationships with our children, with our friends, with our brothers, and Father, as how we serve the community. Father, I just ask, O oh Lord God, for that dispensation of power, to come upon everyone here so that, Father, when they look back, oh, Lord God, they will see God got me through all that pressure. God got me through the harvest of his grace, the harvest of his mercies, the harvest, oh, Lord God, of all the good things that are found in Christ got me through. I pray God's favor and the release of that favor. Father, I declare, oh, Lord God, that that favor will cancel every, every weapon of the enemy that is directed towards your children. The enemy shall not prosper. His weapons will never prosper against the children of God. Father, we, O oh Lord God, we are those first fruits, O oh Lord God. The first fruits, O oh Lord God, of those that have believed in the risen one. Those that have received your Holy Spirit. And so therefore, Father, I pray that if anybody here is dealing with depressions, anxieties, Father, just the heaviness of heart, Father, just the battle in the mind, Lord, all the places, Lord God, that the soul suffers pressure, deep pressure, Father, I just ask, oh Lord God, for you to release, oh Lord God, your blessing and remove that, oh Lord God, and Lord God, help them to continue to move forward as givers. This I ask and this I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.